beyond uh, High Five's future, and you've got to see iterations of Adventure Ed for, for many decades, where do you see the next 10 or 15 years for adventure education? A couple of years ago, I spoke at our symposium, and uh, you know, with some of it was like the next iteration of Adventure Ed. Mm. And I think it's had many iterations since the early 70s or 71 when it started. There was a counseling application, you know, classroom application in, 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 in the phys ed setting. Mm-hmm. And I think they were all extremely well done. Some took hold more than others just because the, the school setting lent itself to it a little more readily, you know, yeah. certainly in a phys ed setting. But I think given what we see with, you know, with young people and as I said earlier, sort of the challenges that are faced, it's really behooves us to do what we're doing now. And I think a lot of other organizations are doing is dig deeper. Yeah. And make this tool an even more effective tool that goes beyond. You still have fun with it. It's still recreational. It's still enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's purpose and meaning. And it, you can't, you know, beat it to death in terms of its meaning. But, uh, you know, young people need more and more insights and ways that they're thinking about themselves. And, you know, the common term now is social emotional learning, which isn't new. That's been there forever. But I think... Our attachment with it is, you know, somewhat convenient, but I think we've been doing it for a long time. But as it becomes a little more of a kind of a national trend, I guess, but trends will come and go. But I think trying to make adventure, you know, as purposeful as possible. And that doesn't mean it's always overly serious, but it, it has learnings and, yeah. and uh, things that people reflect upon in ways that really add value. Because in, in the end, you know, even our mission statement talks about how are we helping people grow and develop you know, and I think ultimately as, as good citizens and, and people and is, is our stuff useful in doing that? And yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, I think that's where it's going. I mean, if it, yeah. if it doesn't go there, I don't think it'll get much attention because it'll, it'll be confused with commercial programs that are adventure parks and campy tours and all that. And that's all fine stuff, but it's not, it's not what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think from the, our, our organization, what's exciting is that we have a lot of um, myself lumped into this young staff members who are excited and passionate about what we do mm. we're all around 30s so yeah. it's like they're with a yeah. 15 years we'll still be here so we'll still be fighting the fight and there seems and, to be a lot of excitement and you've lived in a different world so you bring with you as any next generation does bring you the, with you a different perspective on issues and needs and mm-hmm. challenges and things like that. And then how you fold that in. I mean, that's where it's almost like technology stuff where yeah. I'll never be where you are with technology. I mean, you got this whole microphone working yeah. and everything, <laughs> but, but you know, how do you take some of those same things, wrap what you see the need to be, and then wrap that around the tools you're trying to use and make it effective. And yeah. that's the, the passing of the torch. I mean, I've, I've used the expression, remember in the, the legacy book, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the legacy book, which is about the all blacks rugby team. And, uh, one of the chapters is plant trees. You'll never see. And I think to a degree, that's yeah. what a lot of us are doing in life. I feel it more now because at 67, you say, well, better, you probably won't see all those trees, <laughs> but it's a fascinating way, way to, fascinating way to think about things for, for anybody. You'll, yeah. you'll be planting trees. You might not see too, but yep. it's, uh, that's a pretty good calling. You know, if you can do that, somebody said to me the other day, you know, I think we're all just walking each other home. <laughs> and it really it was like, wow, that's a pretty cool way to think of, yeah. you know, how are you mentoring? How are you coaching? How are you, you know, we're walking along with one another and not to get too philosophical. But I mean, I think that those, we're embracing people in the work that we do, relating with them and helping. It's like education in general and schooling, but 
You know, sometimes schooling gets so intense on the content that sometimes the road to leaning the content is the connection, the relationship with the teacher. Mm-hmm. That David Brooks just wrote, an columnist for the New York Times, wrote a wonderful article about kids learn from teachers that love them, or some yeah. title like that. Yeah, and pretty simple article, but it's oh, like yeah. psh, so true. You know, and I think uh, think think to your credit as well in terms of uh, you mentioned the technology piece, but it's like the there's an there's an adaptation to the times that we are currently in and not getting upset at things that are different than what they were, but realizing mm-hmm. that there's you still trying to learn. I think you've said yeah. the statement to the, the team, like at any point, if you decided you don't want to learn anymore, then you're, there's no point you being around here anymore. Yeah. So, and I think of that when people come to trainings, those who have been in the industry for a while and are still willing to learn, like those are the people we want to keep talking to as rather sure. than those who are fighting against those changes. In whatever they might be. Well, you know, we talked at different times. We'll encounter a customer that's working with us. And yeah. it's one of those old dogs that doesn't want to learn any new tricks. Yeah. And I've seen many of my own colleagues and friends sort of decide, you know, I don't really want to change anymore. And then they're, they're done. And I've always felt, well, high five. It's so incumbent. We can't do that. Yeah. I can't do that. If I'm doing that, I'm done. Yeah. But I also can't embrace or learn all the things I might need to learn in a way that you could. Yeah. So then yeah. you just, but if you, you reach that point where you just don't want to know anything anymore, it's kind of like, yeah. okay, that's not going to work for you or for us. And it certainly wouldn't work for an organization that's trying to be a leader in the yeah. field educationally. Yeah. So. Excellent. I think, so now we're going to go on to some, some different, different line of questions rather than talking about high five, a little bit more about you, but there's some of them are a little odd. Um, and first thing that pops into your head with these, I will say that you haven't heard these before, so, <laughs> so uh, they may just be odd. So, first one: you're a new addition to the crayon box. Mm-hmm. What color would you be, and why? Burnt orange. Burnt orange. Burnt orange. Yeah. Okay, why did that pop into your brain? I always thought I, I love fall time and then there's oh. certain sunsets, and I just always think that orange color you get. And I, I even have a burnt orange sweater. Sweater. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I don't even know if it's an official color, but I kind of think of it as like, it's that amber, the, the trees that turn in the in the northeast here, you know, in the fall time. And there's a, there's a deepness to them. But beyond yeah. that, I don't think about it too much. It's like, <laughs> I like burnt orange. Yeah. yeah. There was, there's a, um, it, for people who <laughs> ever get to visit High Five in our hallway, there is a collection of um, paint swatches of from a symposium two years ago Ryan yep. led an activity where people were tasked to try to identify what colors they would be um and I think I was a a green I don't know what the specific green was but at the time that was my go-to color but if Ella my daughter was to ask me what my favorite color or if you would ask Ella what my favorite color was she'd say orange that's really? I think yeah, yeah. I, I, for some reason that the brightness of the orange that's always something I'm gonna give me. you my orange sweater Wow, yeah. what a hand down. Perfect. Um, what are the titles of the last three books you have read? Do they relate to this field also? Is it like there's a... a uh, sometimes they do and sometimes yeah. they don't. Like I just read one called The Art of Gathering. Okay. Uh, which was, it was pretty good. It, it, you know, it, was, it had some good themes to it. Uh, I'm just reading one now by Stephen Hawking. Oh, wow. uh, this, what is it? It was sort of like six questions about the world and life. I can't remember the mm-hmm. title of it. It just came out, but he, they finished it after he passed away. Oh, wow. 
and uh, you know, is there a God? Is there life on other planets? So it's a different read for yeah. me. Yeah, well, that's um, you know, there's one that I reclaiming conversation was one that goes back a little bit, which I loved about you know making sure people still connect and dialogue. Yeah, um, Michelle Obama, I just read on oh, becoming you did. Michelle Obama. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, just who she was as a person and what she brought to the office. And mm-hmm. and I realized I had said Dan Louise one day, I said, I, I got too many books by men. You know, yeah. and it wasn't purposeful. I would just I'd be looking at a book on leadership development or yeah. whatever that might have been. And then uh it was wonderful to read her book and um reclaiming conversation. I said, That's a very powerful one, I thought. Mm-hmm. So those were I try to read uh well you know I'm, I'm yeah. always have it read drive everybody crazy with books, but I it's it's I love it and it kind of fills your head and when you can't sleep at night it's a perfect way to spend time. <laughs> no, and also that's very helpful having someone who finds these books and reads these books that can hand them off because right. I don't know where you find them all. <laughs> it's like you see to pull them out. These yeah. great books like Legacy, oh fantastic book. Yeah, legacy books. I still yeah. have to share with you. <clears throat> The uh, uh, the links to the Amazon documentary on the All Blacks. Yeah, I would like to see because that, that yeah. is, you know, that of an or, any organization beyond even a sport. Yeah, what a great philosophy they have. And that book was an interesting one because the by the, the subtitle was what the All Blacks have to teach us about the business of life. Yeah, and I always loved the fact that it didn't say the life of business, like it wasn't how to be a good yeah. rugby team. It really was about life. So if you forget rugby and you forget the sports analogies that are in there, of which there are many, it's really a book about culture and mm-hmm. how uh, people connect and build a strong chemistry and culture. And, you know, the chapter after chapter, I mean, plant trees you'll never see, sweep the sheds. Yeah. I think that sweep the sheds is like, I think we could all live our lives by that. You know, just don't be too big. Never be too big to do the small things that need to be done. Yeah. 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 I think that, that actually, that line... Never be too big to do the small things that need to be done is a line that I bring up often at trainings. That has been a stand mm-hmm. like, like just because it fits. Yeah. And there's so much. I was working with a program where I, you know, doing a training and I had set everything up for them to demonstrate we'd done the activity. And then I said, okay, we need to tear it all down. And everyone's standing there. I said, no, 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 everyone needs to come and do this. You know, like this isn't, I've done it many times. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, just step up to the plate and do that. And it's that lead by example piece because you, you know, you're sweeping the shed or around here at some more times vacuuming the kitchen or something like that. And it's just, I know, it's just a good, it's a good way to do stuff. I think people from the symposium witnessed that. You know, we yeah. we're all we don't yeah. bring a crew in. We don't have like a service no. crew, a committee. We are all of those things combined for right. a single day of just work. So somebody mentioned at dinner that night. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but not one of our staff, but one of the people there as we were cleaning up. And they said, they said, "Wow, this whole day, it's like the staff just seems smooth and unrattled, and kind of went on and on about like it just seemed like it flowed and." I was actually, I wasn't sure what to say. I was trying to think of like, what else could it be? Like, we have to do that. <laughs> Running around with our heads on fire. But think, yeah, he said, he said, no, everybody seems so calm and whatever, you know. But, you know, we've done it 19 times too. So I yeah. guess we're being a little better about yeah. it. <laughs> they should have been in the room the day before. Right, right. It's like, <laughs> what it's the like, heck are we doing? Are we ready? There was some element of, yeah. yeah. Um, a penguin walks through the door right now. Mm-hmm. Wearing a pirate hat. What does he say, and why is he here? Anyone walks through the door, he's wearing a pirate hat. <laughs> it seems like it's a line for a joke. Right. <laughs> uh, 
I love I love penguins because just oh, yeah. the way they remember the movie remember the movie about the penguins? March of the Penguins March of the Penguins right? yeah so they just have a sort of a spirited way and yep. a very elegant almost a funny little waddle say <laughs> to them do you know what I mean yeah. but uh, I don't know maybe it's to say Jim can I have a minute with you <laughs> yeah. and I would say of course and I would sure, get up I, and leave I've never turned down a conversation never. with a penguin never. <laughs> It would never happen again. And they always look like they have a tuxedo on, you know, which everybody always exactly. gets about. Yeah, for formal, they, they, formal events. Yeah, yeah, it's formal. It'd be it's like, like the, somebody from Downton Abbey coming through the door of the bar. <laughs> you know. Hey, have a moment with you. I'm still... Yeah. Danny, would, my wife, would still, I think, probably want one of those bells. You know the jangling bells at the yeah. start of the Downton Abbey yes. sequence? Oh, Those are, bells. Something like, I don't know. Isn't it? Just... Very encapsulating kind of feel. I'm sure for the I don't servants. think you'd really want to live in that era. No, I'm sure for the servants it would be like, ah, Yeah, the bells. What do they want now? You know? Maybe that was part of it. Make the bell very beautiful and the sound enjoyable so that it wouldn't be so yeah. negatively seen. Because the bell is asking for work. Let's see, if sweep the sheds had been in place, then they would, it wouldn't ring the bell. They'd just do it themselves. Exactly. But they didn't look like they did that in their no, DNA. And that was the fall of that entire world. Yeah. So you've watched it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. That, that world does not exist, unfortunately, yeah. or fortunately. <laughs> um, a couple of would you rather's now. And this one, I've brought up every single one, so there's a continuing theme here. But would you rather fight a uh, hundred horses the size of a duck or one duck the size of a horse? I'd say a duck the size of a horse. Yeah, reasons? Mm. Well, a hundred things is a lot to keep track of, so it yeah. just seems like I'll put my uh, chances. It's like task management. When you do the 52-card pickup game and you've right. got one where you're trying to get more people involved, how tough that is, Yeah, deal with that when there's a hundred yeah, of them. exactly. And the horses, I don't think, are going to be that cooperative. Right, right. Know? I'm always amazed, horses, horse-sized horses, that, you know, my, my wife is, we live at a horse rehabilitation farm, I'm not a huge fan myself. I have a semi-phobia of them, just a awareness of their size. And actually, the name the name Philip actually means in Greek "lover of horses." So there's sort of an irony yeah. to this. But uh, watching her, this horse pushing up against her, doing something that she shouldn't, and her just very declaratively saying "don't" and and mm-hmm. giving a strike on there on yeah. the on the side, and that horse obeying. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I just think the horse is unaware of their size and strength. Yeah. I don't know why you would let humans do tell you what to do. And people that are good with horses really seem to know horses. Oh, and that's what I mean. very comfortable with them. And, you know. Yeah, I think, I think my wife is sometimes, I think she doesn't sometimes understand because she's so good at horses how someone could not like them. <laughs> you know, well, but it's fortunate my daughter Ella is now, she's ridden horses. She's very comfortable around wow, them. Wow, so, is that right? Yeah, yeah, she was riding a horse actually. Um, they put her on a pony because it's the the aim of the place is to try to find new homes for these mm-hmm. horses that have been rescued. And she, they put her on a pony, put a video out the very next day. Someone saw that video, liked that they saw a, a child, a toddler yeah. on a horse, obviously demonstrated safety, immediately has found a new home. Oh. And what is very nice actually from Ella's perspective is we've been, she's, she's well aware that that's the aim. Mm-hmm. So she even said... Dada, mama, I found sugar a new home. And so it's like this very, wow. you know, like it's a, oh it's God. a cool world to be in. I it wish is. I could involve myself more, but yeah, I just, don't, yeah. those, I just don't find myself comfortable in a round of those that know horses and those that don't. I'm, I know. I'm the ones that don't. So way. I, I always choose the duck too. I'm not yeah. comfortable with them either, but yeah. one, that's my rationale. <laughs> um, would you rather have hands 
that keep <clears throat> growing as you get older? Mm-hmm. Or feet that kept growing as you got older? So never, never ending growing hands. Okay. So you'd be at this point with large hands or at this point with large feet. Probably hands. Really? Yeah. I mean, so. Reason? You'd, you'd probably the feet. Well, you could reach out and touch someone more easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could just be saying, girls are tickling them on the ear. Yeah. You know, that whole spec, reach out and touch. That was like a whole <laughs> ad campaign or something, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> and you trip over your feet when they're normal size, let alone when they're too big. So. That's true. Yeah. Couldn't do, couldn't walk, couldn't do your own, couldn't do your right. work. You'd right. be stuck at home. And I'm short, so I could probably reach things that are up high in the kitchen. Wow. That's it. So reach the top shelves. <laughs> With very long, probably uncoordinated fingers. Right. Last question. This is another question I've asked in every single one. What is a job you would like me to have? <laughs> and I, I para, right. asterisk disclaimer I'm not leaving I'm not going right, anywhere right. but what's a job just based on what you know of me that you think I would be suited to do this, probably, this sounds like I'm trying to get out of the answer <laughs> a job that would really make you happy yeah <laughs> you know yeah. whatever that might be and, you know as I see you in your work and you certainly look like you enjoy your work I'd say well yeah. it must be a pretty good match for yeah. Phil yeah. but I, I grew up in a family. I remember my father always saying, and he was, he had, we had four children, four boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he was ever really, he was a very smart guy. I don't think he was ever in the right jobs. He was, had a lot to do with the construction industry. Yeah. He was a foreman at times for highway construction, things like that. And he'd always say, you got to be happy yeah. doing what you're doing. And I think he said it because he wasn't necessarily. Yeah. And then all of my family, my three brothers and I, everybody, you took it to heart and you kind of found things that you really wanted to do and enjoyed doing. So without the specifics of it, yeah. like you say, it, it would think it would be like, what, what would give you joy? You know, that, uh, yeah. you know, there's always a piece of what, it, if it gives you joy, but people don't need it, that's not really a job because nobody's <laughs> going to hire you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, there was, there was a professor at Boston college. He used to do a seminar for students and he had three questions like that. And one of them was what gives you joy and yeah. the people need what you want. And it was, it was fascinating because it was all self-exploratory, but, um, I mean, if I use myself as an example, I really don't feel like I've ever gone to work, which sounds crazy. I mean, I've worked hard, but it's always, my work is so connected with who I am as a person. Never quite feels like work all the time. Mm -hmm. There's certainly days that are more tiring than others, but, and I would hope that for you or you or anybody, Mm -hmm. how can you find something that gives you joy? And obviously you need to be able to, raise your, raise your family in your case and pay yeah. your bills and all that. But there's too many people that don't enjoy what they're doing and then it's just a job and they can't wait to get out of it. And that, that seems too bad. You know, I think that, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm in the same, in the same vein that you had with your, your dad, my dad did a job because he needed to do a job. Mm-hmm. He had a young family yep. and it yeah, put him into a position where he did a <clears throat> work that I think to a degree, probably has some mixed passion around, but probably doesn't enjoy it mm-hmm. in the way I enjoy mine. And this is speaking directly to my dad right now, but I think that's, um, people ask like, how did you feel confident in being able to move <clears throat> to a new country? Like, you know, it's a big deal to yeah. leave your hometown, but leave your own country for work. But I think that it was because he imparted in both me and my brother that exact thing, find something you enjoy. Find something you enjoy. And it's a credit to their parenting, my parents' parenting, that, they, that I felt comfortable to not only leave the home, mm-hmm. but even leave the country and pursue something that I enjoyed rather than something I didn't. So 
I think they probably had the exact same thoughts that you had about yeah. what could Phil do. Which is some, I think, oftentimes people teach you things when they don't think they're teaching you. Mm. And I don't think my father was particularly trying to be instructive. Yeah. <clears throat> but as you watched what he was doing, it just made it, you know, it was the lesson was there. Yeah. Yeah, you because know, he wasn't, it was hard for him to go and it was a lot of pressure. And uh, there's a wonderful short story or poem, or not a poem, but a short story called The, the Millwright Was a Poet. And a friend gave it to me years and years ago, but it was about a millwright working in a carpentry shop. Mm-hmm. But when he died, they found all his poems and nobody ever knew he was a poet. Oh. And you think there's sort of a, yeah. maybe a life fulfilled or unfulfilled, who knows, but you know, the poet in him didn't get a chance to come out in the work that he did because you probably don't make much money writing poems. No. Unless you're Maya Angelou. Very yeah. nice, you, know, <laughs> you make a living doing it. Or yeah. Whatever, you know, Maya. Well, uh, awesome. I think that's a perfect ending. Uh, thank you for the conversation, Jim. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for listening. And do it again. Thanks for listening. And can you say, uh, thanks for listening to High Five? Thanks for listening to High Five. <laughs> and then what about, thanks for listening to High Five's podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting off the path, guy. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. It really does help us out a whole lot. And next time on the Road to High Five. What I would recommend is we're at now, I think by the time this episode's released, we've probably had about um, 10 episodes. So at this point, maybe there's listeners. So listeners, <laughs> so listeners, if you're listening to this, I'm going to host a competition, an impromptu right now competition. So what I want <laughs> I like you to where do... I like this is going. <laughs>